Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Sailing references. I appreciate it. Even though I wasn't sailing this past week, that's not why I wasn't here. Find out why during the post show. Also joining me is Eric Van Allen. Uh, that's just an alibi Cat just wants us to cover because Cat's been out pirating and so Cat needs an alibi. So everybody agree. She was definitely not out on the high seas raiding ships last week. No, it's true. Wink, 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 wink. I'm here <laughs> winking for all of you. And our special guest, our pal from Charlie and Dropouts and from the days of US Gamer, it's Mike Williams. Hello, hello, folks. I have no pithy sailing statements because I've only been sailing once in my life. So the other closest I've gotten is like Sea of Thieves or like Assassin's Creed. I remember your stories from when you reviewed um, Sea of Thieves back in US Gamer. And there was a really bad one with uh, children using the N word. We're not going to talk about that one, but I did love the time you were part of a group. And it was like three kids talking about their school and Mr. So-and-so is a dickhead and so-and-so is going out with so-and-so. And And you're just on the outs, like, I don't know, swabbing the deck or whatever you were doing, but it sounded really (laughs) cute. (laughs) I forgot that Mike was a Navy kid. I was indeed. I was indeed. Oh, and you haven't been sailing more than once? Well, I mean, on Navy, it's, you know, mostly they're they're on big ships, but like, I, I didn't sail ever until like i was an adult and i lived in annapolis and a guy was just like yeah just come out on my boat i was like i love my uh i've got two friends in the navy they're in naval intelligence only one of them has actually been on a ship at sea oh my god the others god. are firmly on land yep no no <laughs> if i was in the Canadian armed forces i would definitely be a part of the uh the naval because i love ships and stuff like that i love water really you oh, like yeah. the water. I, I love water. I love swimming. Like swimming is one of my really? favorite things to do. And uh, I love sailing and I just like being around it. I, it's just fantastic. It's my element, so to speak. I learned something new about Nadia today. Yeah. yeah ocean yeah. is the enemy. That's that's what you got to take down. <laughs> yeah. That's the cool thing <laughs> about it. Like, like a true Midwesterner. You, you yeah, dive into the yeah. lake and you swim around and you might bring a bunch of stuff up in your bathing suit. But it doesn't nope. matter because it's so cool to be part of it all. It oh, does man. matter. There's snakes in there. So what? Snakes <laughs> are all right. bring up a bunch of stuff. You don't know what that stuff could be. Exactly. Bugs. bugs that get on your swimsuit. Yeah. Bad bugs. Have you had like a tick <laughs> or a leech from, <laughs> from a not lake thing. I, I also do, It's not like just an ocean thing. I also don't really do forests. Or anything oh, like I that. Oh, lakes like, are worse because lakes are basically just like pools of infection and disease. Like I've never stagnation. understood wanting to jump into lake. Yeah. Well, on that lovely note, we got a lot to cover this week. <laughs> we'll be talking about Final Fantasy Origin, Stranger of Paradise. Eric and Mike have been playing it. This way we have Mike on. We're going to be talking about all the insanity that's been happening with this game, as well as kind of the weird history of Final Fantasy spinoffs. We'll also be talking about the recently revealed Monster Hunter Rise Summary expansion and the huge Starfield info drop that recently came in. On top of all of our usual segments, we'll be adding four new games to the Top 25 RPG Countdown, talking about what we're currently playing and all of that fun stuff. Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. Thank you so much for supporting Acts of the Blood God. If you enjoy the show, why wouldn't you? Please go leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. 
It brightens her day and it helps the visibility of the show. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloggoppod. We recently released Kingdom Hearts, our big special, big ranking special with Kim Wallace and Ash Paulson. That was a lot of fun. I'm not even that big of a Kingdom Hearts fan. And by the end, I was just really getting into it. Uh, yeah. Good flow to that one. A lot of classic Nadia lines, I think. Oh, <laughs> That's what, when I first uh, came onto the show. I'm like, well, I'm not a Kingdom Hearts fan. I don't know how much I can contribute, but I contributed a few things. We had fun. We did have fun and you did contribute a lot, Nadia. Also, I promised as our stretch goal that we were going to do a D&D one-shot campaign I stick to my promises right now. We are planning on doing that April 16th. That's a Saturday. It's going to be streamed for everybody, not just uh, Stars of Destiny. Uh, so everybody will be able to watch. Uh, our DM will be our old pal Shivam, uh, who knows a thing or two about this kind of thing. We're looking at doing D&D 5th edition. Uh, we're probably going to roll up the characters. We might even live stream that one. We'll see. Uh, and then we'll turn that into a segment on the weekly episode. It'll be a, a one shot. It'll be kind of an all day fun thing. It'll be a lot of fun. Have the rest of you played D and D? I've never uh, played D and D. I've played D and D once. I, I had, I, I played. I'm, I'm with Eric. I've never really? played DVD ever, uh, ever, like ever. This was actually a scheme of mine because I've been <laughs> wanting to learn how to play D and D for a while. And I just couldn't find a group that would commit. So I just suggested we do it as a stretch goal. And you know what? I love Smart. it when a plan comes together. <laughs> it's a great plan. But mm -hmm. also my household has also become obsessed with Google or sorry, with uh, Google, with D&D uh, of late, thanks to Crit Roll. In fact, there is just a big old pile of source books around my house lately. And I think sooner rather than later, I'm going to end up just being in a campaign as a matter of course. So might as well uh, get started right now. We also have our Stars of Destiny tier. We're recording this live for all of them. And we are joined tonight by LJF Teeps, Abby of the Moon, Azixa, Beware the Slimes, Drew, RWX, and Sardin. So good to see all of you. And in the meantime, we're doing our March Madness special. We are down to the final for the results of the Elite Eight. Um, Terra beat Estelle. Wow. 67% to 32%. Ichiban beats Harrier Dubois yeah, from Disco yeah. Elysium. Who do you all think won between Magus and Kefka? It, it was a big I, one. Oh, it was a, it I was think a blowout. Kefka. I think Kefka, Kefka won. Probably. Absolutely Kefka. It was Kefka. And I think Kefka is going to win the whole the whole thing. The whole shebang. Take the whole Megillah. Is it really going to come down to Terra versus Kefka at the end of the day? That's Are very we, disturbing. Is that really where this is going? No, it's going to be Ichiban versus Kefka. It'll be great. And I will vote for Ichiban. Ichiban is the best. I love Ichiban. He, he can, with his chaotic energy, he can overcome anything. <laughs> Eric's favorite character continues into the final four. No. Adachi from what Persona 4. How did that happen? Asriel from Undertale. That's How? bad. I, I disagree. <laughs> I deny this. I refuse. No. We gotta I have can't be Asriel. Asriel. But, no. What are you talking about? He's no. eminently hateable. Oh, yeah, he's hateable. First of all, complete creep. Like, absolute yeah, creep. And that's not, I know like, that's the point, but not still. Not fun creep. Like, bad exactly. creep. Like, it's yeah, he's an evil creep. creep. 
But he's a great two, villain. You really hate him. Two, I will now voice this because friend of the show, Kenneth Shepard, when I was running a lot of these choices by him, when I was first coming up with the folks who were going to be on it, I was I was like, what do you think about like persona villains? Because I was looking at Goro and I was looking at uh, uh, Maruki because I haven't played Royal, but I've heard that a lot of people like that character. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at Adachi. I was like, what do you what do you think about Adachi? And he told me. I don't think Adachi holds up because I think the mystery of Adachi is more interesting than the character mm. of Adachi. I think that Adachi himself is not an interesting character that discovering Adachi is the more interesting part. And so I was with him on that. And I was like, you know what? I get that reasoning. I wonder if Adachi will even make it far. A bunch of sickos in this blood God <laughs> chat were like Adachi all the way to the end over some frankly incredible villains this so is i know I nothing anymore you may have memed yourself into this i'm mm-hmm. I, I look i'm I, every other one you know i can at least understand a little bit i i can understand why emmett selk lost to adachi because i have not played Shadowbringers yet but i know that you need to have played Shadowbringers to understand that character that's a lot of video game you got to get to persona 4 a lot more people have probably played it but Asriel Dreamer, Asriel Dreamer. Yeah. Asriel Dreamer is, is one of the best boss fights for an RPG. Like, it's up there for me with, uh, like, Luca from Suikoden 2. Like, it's such a good fight. Abby, I Eric, am starting to right. regret my Mass Effect yeah. villain choice. I I went for what I thought was the mass appeal. I, I went for what I thought was the most recognizable villain Wait, from Mass Effect. The elusive man. The elusive man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you you did make a mistake. There. But but now multiple people are saying. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Some people have said Saren, and some people have said Sovereign. I would have put Sovereign over Saren. <laughs> as much as I like Saren, I would have put Sovereign because I love Sovereign. But it's. Oh well, we got oh. our final four: oh. Kefka versus Adachi. Do not and let Adachi in the final two versus Terra. Don't do it. Very exciting. Before we move on to the rest of the episode, I have a small little thing that I very quickly want to cover. As some of you want to may know, uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Legacy was shown for the first time this past week. It's been heavily in the discourse. Uh, some people, it is very at the very least RPG adjacent. A lot of people would say yeah, it's an RPG. I have a lot of feelings about this game, not the least because it was for a long time the game that I wanted to play for a very long time. Unfortunately, its creator is very transphobic. And frankly, this is creating a lot of emotions in me. And I really don't want to talk about this game at the moment. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. We're Kat. just going to, for the moment, kind of pull back from Hogwarts Legacy conversations. So. This is just an editorial choice by me. Support trans kids. Please uh, donate mm-hmm. to Equality mm-hmm. Texas and that kind of thing. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. Let's continue on to what we've been playing, our sacrifices to the blood god. And Mike, you're our special guest. What you've been playing, aside from Stranger of Paradise. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Stranger of Paradise and Triangle Strategy. I have a... Oh, a, how yeah. far are you in Triangle Strategy? I was playing a lot of that. <laughs> uh, I'm at like chapter 12. And I'm, I'm trying to sprint through it because uh, I, I have a podcast on Sunday uh, with uh, Three Moves Ahead and Rowan Kaiser uh, and, oh, yeah. and the fam to talk about the game. Uh, but I've been doing so many other games that I, I hadn't had a chance to just sit and sprint through it. So 
in the evenings I, 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 I play the game. Uh, and especially since we just got a new cat who is keeping me up. I, I, oh, that's what, basically what I've been what's doing. What's his name? <laughs> Report. Uh, her name is Ambrosia currently. And Aww. so, uh, but she's still adjusting. So she mm. tends to be loud at night and been trying to get under the bed and all that other stuff. So it's, it's, it's threw off my sleep schedule, triangle strategy. I'm trying to sprint through it so we can talk about it on 3MA. <laughs> Sunday is when we're recording. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I am I allowed to say? I think I am allowed to say I'm playing Weird West as well. Oh, uh, really? I got a code for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm pretty sure I can at least say I'm playing it. I'm not going to say anything about it. Um, but we got code for it this week. Uh, so I've been playing that. It's from uh, the, some of the folks at Arcane sort of doing an immersive sim thing, but also a little bit of a classic Fallout thing, like Fallout 1 and 2 kind of thing. So uh, uh, looking very interesting. Yeah, I'm double checking right now because I'm also playing that, but I think we can only say that we are playing it. <laughs> uh, it. I'm going to have to yeah wait, I suppose, for opinions because I've been curious about that game. I have been playing a little bit of Triangle Strategy, or I should say that I put the cartridge in my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Congratulations. And you took booted it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but it took mm-hmm. a minute to get it all installed and everything, and that removed some of my... I meant to take it with me down to LA uh, or last weekend, but I didn't. And that was kind of a failure on my part. But I ended up playing Pokemon Legends Arceus instead. I rolled credits. I got through some of the post-game stuff. I got to, I guess, what people were referring to as like one of the harder battles. It it's a fairly cool battle. I got through the first part and then to the being heavily underleveled. But then in the second part, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to die. And I did die. And then they made me do the whole fight again. I was like, eh, I think I'm going to put away this game for a while. I'm going to maybe play something else like Triangle Strategy. So that's my Pokemon Legends Arceus update. Uh, Nadia, I have a question for you. Are yes. you aware of Tunic? Yes, I am. We are actually okay. My husband and I have a channel uh, called well, on Twitch. We call it Nadia and David Ruin Video Games. We stream every <laughs> usually on Saturdays, usually around eight PM uh, Eastern Time. Uh, and that's uh, the Twitch channel name is Nightworks N Y T W O R K S. And it's not a fancy setup. It's actually kind of crap, but we just have fun. And we are going to be streaming Tunic this this Saturday tomorrow as of this recording. Which okay, this is absolutely no good because by the time this goes up, it'll be done. But we, to keep we it have to streamed Tunic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have streamed Tunic and it looks very cute. I played the demo, and it's that so looks like hard. a lot of fun. I heard that they changed the demo because it was everyone was complaining about hey, this game is a little bit too much. It looks very cute. It looks adorable. I love the aesthetic, like the kind of gummy candy thing. It's just oh, oh I love it. It's also it's, Fox. Uh, it's it's your game. It, it is, is a game made for you. I mean, yeah, isometric game, basically kind of a Zelda like with old school combat with those adorable illustrations. Yeah, oh I my like God. the instruction book, quote unquote, which is shaped uh, mm-hmm. like used to uh, done a style to mimic Zelda, the original, like the very first game. Like that's really really inspired. I like that. What else are you playing, Nadia? Oh, God, I'm so addicted to Elden Ring. I can't stop. Someone please just <laughs> kill me now. I'm about 80 hours in. I only wow. just beat Godfrey the Grafted. Oh, I just bought. I just beat him, too. Gilbert Godfrey the Grafted. That was it. And I did a whole yeah, voice, and it he's was actually a, he's, really great. He's not tough, but he is. He's an asshole. He can be challenging if you're not careful, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, here's how it went. Um, the first boss 
it's you can't really go anywhere if you don't get past the first boss. It's a real big choke point. But you can slip past Stormvale Castle if you don't want to do it. So I did that, and I went everywhere in the game. I've almost <gasps> mapped out the entire thing, except for I only... I'm actually in the middle of the Blythe story um, quest, because I love Blythe, because of course I do. And then I said, okay, you know what? Before I go further in this, I'm going to go back and beat up Godfrey. And it took a little while, but I did it. I actually used the Demi-Human Ashes, which are fantastic. Uh, I also have what... Alex Donaldson, uh, a friend of the show, called the Skeleton Lads, and I haven't called it anything mm-hmm. since. <laughs> the skeleton I, got, I just got those. That's what they're called, the Skeleton Lads. I love it. And uh, I also love the wolves. Like they're the first ones you get, and they're just they're 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 so good just on their own, and you can build them up to make them even better. And my thing for people, of course, Soulsborne fans being Soulsborne fans, are like, if you use the ashes, you're cheating. Blah blah blah. Why would what? you deny what? yourself? The chance to summon ghost wolves and kill something. The greatest joy in this game of of video games, practically, is here's a camp full of jabronis. Oh boy, they summon my ghost wolves and we just wreck the joint. Like Also, Souls fans, if you wear armor, you're cheating. If you use a sword, you're super cheating. Wow, you look at the screen. Wow. Wow, look at you. (laughs) What a scrub not playing blindfolded. Come on. I I will say one of the biggest things and one of my joys about open worlds and why i i haven't had time to like really super dive into that i've played it but I'll, there's always other games i have to play mm-hmm. of course um open world games are about cheating about mm-hmm. really yes. finding mm-hmm. that weird way to enter a situation that the designer may not have expected and to do some weird shit like that's the fun part it's not linear so you can do stuff mm-hmm. so like yeah. like using I just saw a video about a guy that used uh, one of his Ashes of War to kill the the, the hedge knight guy at the beginning, the, the oh, old yeah, armor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the tree sentinel. And uh, he wasn't even like a part of the fight. He just like stood up mm-hmm. on a rock yeah, over I've here <laughs> while they fought him. And I was just like, yes, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Plink arrows from the distance, maybe. But that's what I'm saying. The fact that it just the idea of summoning wolves to do your bidding, that is so cool. Why would you say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that in my game. That is your loss. That is your massive loss. And you shouldn't do that. My God, you people are so That's strange like saying, sometimes. I, if you play Mega Man and you use the robot master weapons on the boss, that's cheating. That's cheating. You, you only use the arm cannon. It's such a different approach. And I think back to like, we were talking before the podcast started about uh, PC RPGs when we were younger. And I think about the games that I, you know, really got into playing around college, which were like Deus Ex and Vampire Bloodlines and things like that, which, you know, all kind of fall under the immersive sim sort of genre. And that's what a lot of these open world games are finally kind of embracing is I think that Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring have a lot of immersive sim ideas Mm -hmm. in them that you can approach from any direction, do whatever you want. And it's about manipulating a system to your advantage. And the idea that someone needs to impose limitations on themselves to like prove some level of mastery or achievement. No, mastery or achievement is beating the thing in whatever way you want to (laughs) do. If you want to talk your way through it, then you've done that correctly. If you want to shoot your way through it, then you've done it correctly. If you throw an exploding barrel from a skylight in the room down onto the boss or one of my favorites from Deus Ex, just picking up a turret and walking into the room with it and letting the turret. I do brought the you a present. 
yeah that's one of my favorite feelings in games i i agree with mike the the whole feeling of you know how in those those like especially the martial arts movies there always be the big bad boss and he never goes in first he sends in his underlings he just sits there intimidatingly he's probably got an eye patch and a scar or something he's just like "Mm," and lets his Uh his underlings do the fighting i want that power fantasy in my video games i want to be that guy that feels good to be that guy so yeah no screw anybody who tells you not to summon or anything like that have fun with this game but uh besides Elden ring i'm also playing uh strangle strategy and uh yeah yeah it's great it's surprisingly good i'm just really jiving with it like what is strangle strategy i called it sorry i meant strangle tragedy tragedy. uh it's just what is it triangle strategy it's just the name for the oh, game i i was like going is this a new game is this an interesting because for a whole second i was like strategy. oh she's just making fun of triangle strategy but then i was like but wait a minute what if there's a different what game if? i'm not aware of no this mm-hmm. is triangle strategy it's a good game i find the story okay. is really interesting in that nobody's stupid in this story everybody knows what's going on behind mm-hmm. everyone's mm-hmm. backs mm-hmm. so no one's doing something just completely out of the except for the fact well i won't say anything because it's uh it's a really big spoiler i'll tell you guys later but uh yeah it's just a nice i don't say nice but it's an intriguing political story uh cat you'll probably like it a lot once you get into it Mm -hmm. i intend to and i was having a good time with it when i was playing it but i wanted to play some more pokemon legends arceus now i have kind of safely finished pokemon legends yeah. arceus in my you view you are I, at the finish line you are so I'm close to beating line. it that fight is I the guess. last part of that post game <laughs> i mean i'm not going to go as far as getting arceus or whatever no no don't yeah. do that that's silly that's madness yeah. rep did it on her review yeah She's ruin lies that way that's, that's consummate professional wow yeah. good for her yeah she put like 60 hours in in the course of a week mad woman Wow, Red Valentine, rough man, rough to do that stuff. Eric, what are you playing? Uh, I mean, we'll talk about Stranger of Paradise in a bit, and there's there's some other stuff I've been poking at. I did finally, uh, I turned in an hour of need to the Discord and said, "Discord, please tell me not to play Final Fantasy 14." And they said, "Eric, the only reason you're coming here is so you can get validation <laughs> for playing Final <laughs> Fantasy 14." So I did that. <laughs> so. I'm roughly about, I'd say, maybe two-thirds of the way through Stormblood now. Uh, I'm pretty deep in, really liking the story. I don't understand why people rank this one low. Granted, I haven't played Shadowbringers or Endwalker that's, yet. That's why, so but it it's might so just, great. might just be a case of it's a great expansion in a sea of great expansions. Yeah, but, it's, it's, it's the yeah, Mario yeah. Sunshine problem. It's not a bad expansion, but compared to what it's next to, it, it, it's slightly low. Did you know that it's Hironobu Sakaguchi's favorite expansion? Oh, well, yeah. So that doesn't it blew his me. mind. Doesn't doesn't surprise me too much because I think when this, I don't think it's as consistently good as Heaven's yep. Word, and but when it hits, it really hits, and it hits on stuff that I'm happy to see fourteen yeah. dealing with. Like they they touch on ideas of you know refugee issues which were a thing in a realm reborn that they kind of dumped when they got into heaven's word and i'm glad to see them kind of like dealing with those ideas and also uh like nations and you know aggression from different countries very relevant topic right now but also like this whole idea of generational trauma through war and how it, it yeah you know, that was a years, big one that touched me years of garlemald oppressing Alamigo and Doma and how it's affected the people there. There's this great scene where this, this old guy is like, they've turned our kids against us. And like, that means for us to have revolution, we have to cut down our young. That's what Garlemald has done to us. And it's like 
really deep stuff for Final Fantasy to be dealing with. I know sometimes Final Fantasy does get into these topics and you look at games like Tactics and they do start to try and address that rather than, you know, supernatural monsters and things like that. But I'm really enjoying Stormblood because for the most part, it has let the fantastical sit in the background. And it's a story about people. It's a story about aggression between human beings largely there there are times where they have like been like oh we need to have a primal in here we haven't had a trial <laughs> the in primals a in here. i was actually <laughs> going to ask you if you did the the lakshmi fight because that's one of my favorites uh i've only done suzano that's the one i've done so far okay um, La- you'll love lakshmi because i know that one thing that you brought up about ff14 i'll be very quick about this sorry cat is that it has very theatrical battles against the primals and this is one of the most mm-hmm, theatrical mm-hmm, there is mm-hmm. and the one of my favorite songs in the game, but you'll get there. You'll get there. Have you been to the, the step yet? You're not at the step yet, are you? I'm about to go to the step. That's I love like the, the step. My favorite map. To. One of my favorite maps. And that's actually where Ishikawa takes over the writing. So it's mm-hmm. a really great little sequence. I like it very much. It's I again, you know, we talked about it with Triangle Strategy when I was playing that for review. But there was when I interviewed Asano for for my day job, he talked about how wanting to do tactics games was like, like the appeal there was that instead of, you know, game like Octopath where you kind of have these existential, not existential, like, like fantasy threats where you can have this monster and just an evil monster because the monsters are evil and you have to kill the monsters. But when you have a tactics game, you're only really dealing with humans and human motivations and people who are each fighting for an, an ideal that clashes with one another. And that kind of like, put into words why I think I've always enjoyed the stories of tactics games so much more than a lot of fantasy stories and and also really made me uh, appreciate Stormblood a bit more for what it's doing that it's trying to put people at the center rather than have like primals or dragons be the threat. Well, you hear that discord stop enabling Eric and mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. Uh, desire to play Final Fantasy 14 so he can play other things. Look, they called it. They called it. (laughs) It always comes back to 14. I've been taking a break from 14 to do Elden Ring, but I feel it tugging back at me, so it'll be soon. (laughs) To play anything but Elden Ring is a crime against God. Blame yourself for God. Play Elden Ring. (laughs) All right, folks. That's what we've been playing. And now it's time for a series of random encounters. First up in the news headlines this week, we have a big Elden Ring update is out, and speedrunners are not happy. Well, most of them, <laughs> they're rarely happy. It seems that they Aww. fixed several of their uh, exploits, so it's too bad for these poor speedrunners who are somehow beating the game in like half an hour. It was absolutely absurd. Yeah, that's a little bit mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. One thing I can say about the updates that I actually find kind of funny is we were just talking about people being very uh, gatekeepy about uh, Elden Ring. And one thing you, you all remember, I'm sure, just last week, the controversy about people saying things about Elden Ring, certain developers, and like how the UI compares to what they did. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. backlash against that. But anyway, the comeback was, oh no, the, the sparseness of the map is what makes Elden Ring beautiful. It's perfect. Don't change a thing. So they added stuff to the map to make it more accessible. <laughs> <laughs> with the update, and I was laughing my head off. And that's good. I mean, yes, I understand the sparseness of the map is actually genius. That's one of the most brilliant things about the game. Like, you see a, a crumbling sort of lo- ruin-looking thing on the map, and you're like, I'm going to go there. I love that kind of thing. But it's like the game with the new update now gives you, like, the names of 
important NPCs who are in those areas. And I don't see a problem with having stuff like that. So I am glad that despite the, like, no, don't touch a, don't touch a thing about Elden Ring is perfect, that they are actually fixing things that are not perfect about Elden Ring. That's my rant. Thank you. Nadia's soapbox. Thank you very much, Nadia. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> uh, in other Elden Ring news, it's sold 12 million copies worldwide so far. And it's popular enough that Valve went out of its way to fix Elden Ring on Steam Deck. Meanwhile, Triangle Strategy has sold 800,000 units worldwide, which is actually pretty good pretty for Triangle good. Strategy. It seems yeah. like it's going to hit a million. That's really good. Mike Laidlaw is making an ambitious new action RPG. People would know him as the uh, one of the, I guess, creator, director, creative director. Mm -hmm. There we go. Mm -hmm. Of the Dragon Age series. So what he is making is pretty notable with Private Division publishing that one. Uh, go read the blog. Uh, they talk a lot about immersiveness and uh, storytelling that kind of arises from the actual gameplay mechanics. And I'm hopeful. I, ho I hope it's pretty good. Um, and finally, uh, PSA, get your Shaman in Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl because that ends March 27th. I love Shaman. Yes, a very cute little very uh, cute Chia little, Pet like, Pokemon. One of my favorite grass uh, Pokemon. Just a little tiny hedgehog with a little flower in its head. It's very Ch -ch -ch Chia Poka. Oh, I, I did it wrong. Chia Pokemon <laughs> Pet. There you go. But our top story <laughs> Stranger of Paradise is out. The reviews are in. I think Eurogamer soul, uh, kind of summarized it pretty well when they said that it's, quote, a trashy Souls-like that packs surprising death. It got an eight from IGN. People are kind of like, yeah, the story is terrible. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen, but it's pretty fun. Um, so Eric and Mike, you two have been playing Stranger of Paradise. I thank you for your service. I would not want to play Stranger of Paradise I in mean, light of the fact that Elden Ring just exists. It's over here. It's over here, but calling. What it's, are your thoughts? It's so Start fun with you, Mike. It's it's really fun. To, so a lot of people don't really know sort of the, the through line here. And the through line is this is the team that worked uh, at Koei Tecmo on Neo and Neo 2, uh, which are, if you have not played them, uh, one of the few souls like games that actually sort of worked like mm -hmm. that sort of understood why souls games sort of worked and it was pretty tight in terms of play and what they've essentially done is taken the neo uh, combat system and some of the ideas and brought it over um, made it a little bit easier a little bit more uh, accessible and then lathered final fantasy on top of it <laughs> lather um, is a good word for it lather and, and uh the style like it's fun to play like it just feels really fun to play but the storytelling like it's not the ideas in the story that are bad and i'm yeah. not gonna say it's bad it's some people have good yeah, some people <laughs> like like I, I put a tweet out and I was like, "Stranger of Paradise has what I'll call the anti-story," mm, and mm. a lot of people were like, "How dare you come for the?" And I'm just I'm like, sorry, I, what? Are there is there are the Stranger of Paradise uh, yeah, defenders there's, there's, out there's force? There's a lot of defenders. They're like, oh, really? One, I've I've gotten a lot of oh, a lot of JRPGs are like that. To which I'm no. like, when was the last time you played <laughs> oh. like a modern like 
like no like presentation like the the problem that I have with Strangers of Paradise it's not really even a problem because that's one of the things I like about it is that like characterization dialogue tone is just all over the place pacing and how the story is delivered is just wild like if you play the demo you will get like everyone who played the demo were like okay so there's obviously sections that are missing in here that explain more um no the demo is literally (laughs) just the beginning of the game that's it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, i love that so what you're seeing there is what the game is and how it presents its story um and what it comes off as is sort of like a devil may cry um and others have compared it to like kingdom hearts yeah i've heard that too that there's nonsense being delivered in such a way that it's just so humorous and endearing um that i love it like it's just it's amazing i have a theory and that theory is whenever a meme becomes a meme and this game is very memeish it will inevitably go from being a meme to being taken seriously. That's what happened. That's why the Star Wars prequels are popular now. It's a very Star Wars prequel Be- game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. because people will always go from liking a thing ironically mm. to liking it. And mm-hmm. because they'll be emotionally invested in it. We're already seeing it happen with Stranger of Paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just weird to me, like, like, like I, when I, I put the tweet out and it's up to like 5,000 likes and a lot of retweets. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting a lot of, wow. I, 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 I'm getting a lot of weird engagement that I just didn't expect when I put the tweet out. That's when I mute the thread. <laughs> um, yeah, seriously. And, and it's like one, there's that, that people like, Oh, you know, Japanese RPGs, the presentation is always like this. And I'm kind of like, not really. Like, I mean, it, it definitely feels like it's a generation back, like it was a PS3 game, like an early PS3 game um, or, or a late PS2 game. And I'm actually excited about that because for a while there, I, I really think like the PS4 era, like winnowed away a lot of sort of B-grade games that we used to get, mm-hmm. like just mid-grade, like fine stuff that just died because games got too expensive to make. And this feels like one of those games. So I kind of I, like, I love it, but also don't, don't be like, Oh, this is a, a, a win of presentation. It's, it's just as good and well-written and deep and nuanced. Like, no, it's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems that's fun. been, that's been my main takeaway is that I'm enjoying it as like, something to almost fitting the same bill as a Muso game. Like, yes, yeah. I, I boot it up and I play it and I found that the difficulty is pretty well tuned. Maybe it's coming off of things like Elden Ring, where that is a very demanding game difficulty wise. Yeah. Whereas this, I feel is just the right amount. And I, I, I think it's silly that you have two block buttons, but once you master <laughs> that system, you kind of have all that you need to really beat the game. And it's just, gravy from that point but it does feel like an early ps3 game in that as we got into the ps4 generation and which is a very long generation too uh games kind of i like what you said mike that they smoothed but also that they like kind of homogenized in a way they wanted everything to kind of be serving 
one experiment or, or not experience, I should say. Uh, so you didn't have this thing that Stranger of Paradise does where you just have a menu for talking to people where you just have levels that don't really have a congruous sense of movement through a world. You're kind of just going to different levels, almost like an NES game where it's like, here's the pirate level. Here's Mm -hmm. the weather changing level. Here's this level. And there's like barely a story connecting it. And I mean, I'm talking barely a story and I, I don't say this to be like, oh, Stranger in Paradise is bucking trends and stuff like that. No, I think they just made a game and they definitely made a game that is not good in some respects. Like the writing, I I'm on board with how dumb the writing is, but I would not say the writing is good. I just right. say it's enjoyable. It's especially if you are someone it's in like so me. good. It's bad territory or so bad. I, it's territory. I don't know if it's even there yet. There are times when I think it's there, but I also feel like I'm laughing at it and not with it. So, <laughs> yes. but, but uh, also there's like, so like Jack is such a weird protagonist. So bizarre. The, the closest I can say is, uh, back when I was playing a long time ago, Doom Eternal. Mm-hmm. Doom Eternal had this like weird like metal fantasy mm-hmm. story with characters who were taking it real seriously. And mm-hmm. every time they tried to do their serious thing and their monologues and whatever, Doom Guy would just come in and he was not interested in mm-hmm. any of that mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. all. And Jack has that energy. Like everyone yeah. is mm-hmm. saying hard fantasy stuff. And then Jack, Jed, Ash, and Neon are just like, ha ha, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. there, there's there's You're a going scene, to bad self. There's a scene early on where like the princess character is talking to the the three boys, and she and and the other two boys, um, Jed and Ash. Uh, Ash, are doing kind of this bit. Like they're obviously doing kind of a comedy bit where they're all joking with each other, and Jack is just not even present for it like he's just (laughs) in his own world like they're all doing this thing about like oh ha ha he cleans his wounds with spit you know better not bring that to the troops and jack's just in his mind like man i wonder what chaos is doing right now i want to kill chaos's ass (laughs) yeah he's like sure could go for a big old glass of kicking chaos's ass right now and like that's it's endearing it is endearing uh, yeah, like it's there's, also there's, in- a, there's another one where it's like Prince of the Dark Elves is like, yeah, so yes, yeah, like yeah. you're going to be fighting monsters and eventually you will make a deal with chaos mm-hmm. and you're going to lose everything in that deal. And Jack's reply is, <laughs> and the prince is like, what, why are you laughing? And he's like, I forgot what it was like to get good news. And I'm like, that's not even a reply to what was just said. <laughs> I feel like the idea was like, oh, good. So I'll meet chaos so I can punch him. Then, and right. Like that's just the one track mind. The one brain cell Jack has left is just all in on chaos. And 
to to boost this even more it does the tales series thing where you can put cosmetics on your character and they're oh, in no. the cutscenes and stuff oh, so every ears. time i'm in a ridiculous cutscene, jack and company are wearing some new ridiculous outfit where in one castle he's basically dressed like a shinobi and in the next one he's wearing like this goofy mage garb and then the next one he's got like a henley on and <laughs> also the clothes in this game make no sense they start the game wearing modern clothes and just never address it like they they just yeah like don't everyone yeah, thought it was an, it. it was going to be an isekai, an isekai where, yeah. where like normal people end up in the file no they are just a normal clothes in the beginning and if you look in the background everybody else is still wearing like fantasy, fantasy old- clothes yeah like pantaloons but these guys are wearing like Henleys and flannels and they've got like Converse on and stuff. It's like, it, Look, it this blows is just Nomura. I mean, he designed the characters, right? So yeah, I, 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 I'm sure that he, did, he was just but... like, whatever, I'm just going to put him in modern clothes. I don't care. <laughs> Takes a long drag from a cigarette. <laughs> They're in modern clothes now. The clothes aren't Nomura enough. People have been like, oh, it's like Kingdom Hearts. And I'm, and I'm like, Okay, yes, I can see that. Yeah, that's the Kingdom Hearts, yeah. During the ranking, we were talking about Nomura playing 4D chess so that he could eventually make, uh, what was it, Final Fantasy versus 13. Maybe this is part of that. Maybe this is like he's bringing it all together, and then he's just going to be connecting all the dots, and he'll eventually get there. Maybe this is just Nomura telling us all to F off. Yeah, really isn't maybe i was joking because right now square enix is out there saying they don't want anybody streaming or like let's playing the ending of this game and i've heard from people who have been playing it who have played it who are like there is an actual plot twist in this game like i was i was in a discord the other night playing one game on here and one of my friends was playing stranger paradise and he was like I can't believe they're doing this. I cannot believe they're actually doing this. I was like, what, what are they doing? He's like, I'm not telling you because you need to see it for yourself. It's not good, but I also can't believe they're actually trying to do this. They're actually just going to do this. And so I'm like desperate to catch up to him now to see where this goes because maybe Nomura is playing just 45 D chess. And I, (laughs) I joked that this was going to end with Jack joining Tekken or something like that's how it was going to end was he's just going to show up in a Tekken ring and this is like the new DLC character for Tekken. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows? I want to highlight a comment from Beware the Slimes really quickly in the text. He says, or they say, the impetus for Stranger of Paradise seems to be what if Tetsuya Nomura was the guy who made the original Final Fantasy? And I don't think you're wrong. And I find that deeply irritating because it's borderline mm-hmm. disrespectful to the Ouch. original game. It just does not show creating a character like Jack Garland, who apparently is supposed to be a what if kind of story of, but what if Garland were a warrior of light? What if Garland is, dressed like a douche? It's, and I will say, at least given the direction, it is quite clear, at least to me, and I haven't finished it yet, that this is actually a prequel to Final Like, the game right. will go from Strangers of Paradise into Final Fantasy I. And, and actually, part of what I think is up with the dialogue is, so this is written by uh, Nomura's uh, friendo, uh, Kazushige Nojima, who also worked on, you know, uh, 
some of the uh, Final Fantasy VII remake and some other stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he looked at the dialogue, like the original dialogue in Final Fantasy One, and was like, "What if we just brought that straight forward mm. into 2022? Right, with no explanation, what like without worrying about." Because some of the characters, like when you're talking to those townspeople in the little things Eric was talking about, like uh-huh. there's no actual town, but you can select like every time you finish a level. It's a drop down menu. That there's you a drop down like, I want to talk to elderly guard. Yeah. Right. And all of those lines feel like Final Fantasy one or two lines. They do. But delivered in full voice acting. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. And I really... I. And that's part of the thing. Like, I'm like, no, it's not, it's not good presentation wise per se, but it also doesn't feel unintentional. Like they didn't fall into this by accident or because they didn't get enough resources. They just decided to do this. I mean, intentionality does not equal (laughs) being good. You can intend to do a thing, but not execute on it in the least. And that, that's a lot of stranger of paradise uh, going on right there. One of the things that people say all the time about stranger of paradise though, is the story is horrible. The presentation is not great, but the actual gameplay is pretty good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please explain this to me. Like why, why is it so good as a souls? Like aside from the fact that, you know, it's made by team ninja, the, the Neo is pretty good by and large. Like mm-hmm. what, what is it about this game that stands out to you? It's it's got a job system, which is a like a big part of the appeal to me is that you have these jobs that you can train up. So you start off with Final Fantasy jobs. You know, you've got Lancer, you've got Sword Fighter, you've got uh, like a basic mage class and you earn job points for beating enemies and you put them in the skill tree. And then eventually when you get to ends of skill trees, you can go into advanced classes. So like I just unlocked a monk, which meant I had to get to that node on my Lancer and on my Pugilist to unlock the Monk class. And then that's kind of a hybrid class. And then there are like basic advanced master classes that involve going through all the trees and all the play styles feel very different and have like really good different kinds of combat feels to them and all feel very, I I never feel like I'm hamstrung by what I'm doing. I've, I've liked the mage classes a lot because they have a really cool feeling of being a battle mage where I'm doing like, big hits and then charging up a flare spell and unleashing it on the enemy. And I get to feel kind of paladin-y in that way. But uh, it's, it's got just a really good, you know, combo system. It's actually surprisingly complex at first because you have the things where you can have different combo enders depending on how many hits you do. So R1, R1, R2 is one special ender. R1, 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 R2 is a different one. And, and then there's you can also set, elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you can, can change set them up. Different combos that for each of those. Um, uh, what Eric says about each of the things playing, each of them is focused around usually like a specific weapon. A weapon type. So yeah. it's almost like in that same Monster Hunter Rise mm-hmm. feel of like each thing feels very distinct. Yeah. And yeah. part of what really makes it work is Jack uh, is the only playable one. You can switch between two different jobs. Mm-hmm. on the fly and that's actually part of the combo system uh whereas you can literally cancel in the middle of a combo from mm-hmm. one job to another so like you can 
be a mage, throw out like, you know, fire Raga and then immediately switch to um, the samurai job, uh, which is really good at, uh, you know, pinpoint hits and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Or the pugilist, which is uh, a lot of building combo damage and critical hits as you get successive hits on a target. Mm -hmm. So like it plays really well. And, so and, good the moment. and and the killing thing, like when he kills oh. people with the 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 the, oh, the little, it's so good. Um, basically, uh, every enemy has a sort of a, a stagger bar, and when you get that stagger bar down to zero, you can instant kill them, which also fills up your MP. But the instant kills feel really good. Like Jack grabs them, turns them into crystal, and usually shatters them, and it just. Uh, and again, actually going to go back to doom. Like it just yeah. feels yes. good to do those f essentially fatalities. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it, it play wise, it feels really good. Like, it's yeah, a I was just gonna say Jack, like to, to sell this a little bit, like Jack isn't just doing like, uh, you know, Oh, haha, ha, Ender, like, you know, spike you're down or whatever. It's like doom where each, enemy has their own death animation for it sometimes multiple ones and they're ones where he's like grabbing these enemies and like full body flipping them over his back or like crushing them on his knee one of my favorite ones is there's this like water elemental that kind of floats around in an orb and when you get the stagger yeah. on that creature he grabs the orb raises it up turns it into crystal and then beats the creature to death with their own orb and it's like it is doom it, it's that like doom uh where every single demon has their own bonkers uh, kill animation that's both really just visceral and fast, but it's fast. It happens quickly, and you can kind of even time them out to where it'll give you iframes if you're trying to avoid a big iframes. And, yeah. and again, you need it to fill up your MP. So mm -hmm. like, yep. like I'll switch to like a melee class, uh, like say Pugilist, and mm -hmm. then when I'm low on MP, and then stagger a bunch of enemies, do the finishers and then switch back to mage with the MP mm -hmm. that I just gained and then cast spells. So there's a lot of, a lot of moment to moment strategy. Like it, it's, it's just a, it's a, it plays really well. Like they knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, this was the right, uh, in the same way that, uh, near automata, mm -hmm. uh, was the right partner for this game. Stranger of paradise. Like the, the Koei Tecmo guys were the correct partner to make this style of game. I almost wonder if they went for the style that they did just to make it stand out. It's, it's such a weird, I'm just fascinated by why they decided to go the direction that they went with the story. Was it because they were in an izakaya getting really drunk and they're like, you know, what would be <laughs> awesome. Or were they just doing it because they're like, they looked around at all of the other Final Fantasy spinoffs, which were more respectful to the source material and more in line with what we've come to expect from Final Fantasy and went, eh, but we've done that before. And we want this game to be talked about. So let's do something that'll make it get talked about. And they did. They turned it into a meme. <laughs> yeah. And, and each of the levels, it's real weird because each of the levels are like, uh, and uh, someone, uh, Nadia mentioned Alex Dawson. Uh, actually went through and looked at prior to the game coming out, which levels, all of the levels reference specific 
Final Fantasy. Other Final Fantasy yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah. So each of the levels is a like it's pointed like, oh, this is Final Fantasy Four, like this spot. Mm-hmm. This this level is Final Fantasy Seven. Like each of the levels is like you can look at it. Uh I don't remember what the URL or the, or the name of that article was, but like you can look at it and be like, oh yeah, no, that's exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a, a lot of love, but it, it definitely feels like, and, and it's, I guess, technically an anniversary game spinoff, whatever, but yeah. you can, I, I, I would not be surprised if they were just like, yeah, let's do an, like, like not anti-anniversary game. Like let's do something completely different. Like, mm. like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate Mass Effect, so we're gonna make a, you know, real time, four X grand strategy mm. game or something like don't, that. Don't like, tease me. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Nomura had a super squishy and said, "Let's go crazy chaos style." <laughs> so. I think the easy thing to point at is actually Cadence of Hyrule, because that's another case of Nintendo going, well, what if we just hand the IP of one of our famous games off to some studio? They can mess around with it. If it goes bad, it's their fault. If it goes great, makes our franchise look great. Like, there's not really a lose situation in here for any of this. And uh, the nice part, you know, to what Mike was just talking about, it does line up well with the anniversary and it almost makes this game feel like the story doesn't need, like it, it doesn't need to be more than it is because at the end of the day, this could have just been a romp through famous final fantasy levels playing as four brawler type characters, you know, beating up enemies, you know, all, all the classic, you know, you've got the bombs shooting fire and you've got the, the Sahagins or whatever, the, the big Murloc looking guys and all that. And you're fighting through the, the pirate level from 14 and stuff like that. And it's just, it it's, it's nostalgia. It's, Oh, I recognize that. Oh, I get to be a red mage now so I can cast haste and do cool stuff and all that. Like it's, it is a very nostalgic game. It feels like almost directed towards people who will remember final fantasy things and be happy that they remember final fantasy things so in that respect i'm now almost starting to wonder if it needs a good story i don't think it does i'm not saying that like justifies a story being bad but i am saying that that was the one place where they could phone it in if they wanted to (laughs) and it seems like they might have all right last question before we move on where do you think it stands in the history of final fantasy spinoffs if Final Fantasy Tactics is the peak of Final Fantasy spinoffs, and uh, what would be the bottom? I, I suppose uh, all the bravest, probably. Yeah, all the brave. Yeah, there's there's been some bad ones over the years. I mean, do do y'all remember Crystal Defenders or? Oh right, yeah. My life as a king for mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles for some reason. There, there have been Final Fantasy Explorers. There have been some bad ones. Is it kind of squarely in the middle, or would you say it's like upper tier in terms of the Final Fantasy spinoffs? Because the history of the Final Fantasy spinoff is actually pretty weird. I think it's like a Crystal Chronicle tier game. Like I feel okay. like it will have the sickos over the years who defend it like Crystal Chronicle has, where every once in a while they'll be like, we're remastering Crystal Chronicle. And everybody's like, why are you doing that? But then there's like 20 people in a corner who are like, yes, finally, I've been waiting. (laughs) So, so see Crystal Chronicles is, is, is bad. Cause actually when Crystal Chronicles came out, 
I was in a position that we played Crystal Chronicles correctly, like with mm-hmm. the right. full interesting with mm-hmm. the full uh, GBA uh, link cables, so you could see everything, and oh. it it um, that and Four Swords are um, they're terrible. There's terrible games. <laughs> there are technology Gracious. in search of a game. And I, I I enjoyed the moment, but looking back, I'm just like, I hated, I think maybe every moment of, of playing them. <laughs> so. the, the pause, the pause where you're like, and those games are horrible. They're just awful. <laughs> <laughs> so so it was it was definitely an experience but um i w- i would put tactics at the top i'd probably put this maybe like like above the middle like is there some other i like crystal chronicles here I'm I'm curious. Are we still going to be talking about this game at the end of the year or is it just kind of a no. weird curiosity I that think it's going to be in the moment? Fade. Have, have you yeah. seen what's coming out this year? It's got no chance. Yeah, it's got <laughs> no chance. No hope. A good video right game doesn't have a chance this year. Elden Ring and now Tunic. I think we're going to be talking about Tunic at I the end see, of the year. I can see that. that. That's the come out of year game, nowhere game. The only reason, the only thing against Tunic now is that it's not on Switch. It's only on Xbox for consoles. But I think it's, it's, I think it's a timed exclusives and i think once it gets mm. to the switch it's going to be huge on the it switch game but pass, more seriously what is up with square between this game and babylon's fall and forspoken it's almost like they're trying to be as Weird. bad as possible maybe forespoken will be good i don't know but so, so in babylon's fall in, i i please stress go buy babylon's fall when it goes on sale because i know wait mike i think <laughs> no, people mike. have forgotten <laughs> <laughs> what actual bad games are. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you okay, had me in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> Fall might be one of the worst put together games by a major publisher that I've seen in quite a while. Yikes. And I think some of the talk around games and game reviews tends mm-hmm. to be hyperbolic mm-hmm. because you've forgotten mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. really bad is. Mm-hmm. And Babylon's shame. Fall is really bad so yeah a I, true I, endorsement buy it because it's horrible there's a there's a second season of babylon fall content coming in hooray uh, yeah, square did, yeah square I mean, did quiet the man least, they do this you can say that they're trying a bunch of things like they put yeah, out that is true stranger of paradise babylon's fall triangle strategy but they're also doing like hd2d dragon quest Hell yes. and Square's making a lot of stuff right now. Like an alarming amount of stuff. stuff. Chocobo Um, GP, two voice of cards games. We have two voice of cards games, but only one Dungeon Encounters, and that's a crime. That's a crime. (laughs) Yeah, the Dungeons Encounters exist is is very weird. Um, That game is so good. It's Um, so good. There's just like not not everyone is doing the weirdness that come that's coming out of Square right now. Like Capcom has mm-hmm. retreated back to its main pillars. Yeah, they sure have. Um, yep. A lot of the other ones, like I guess EA has private division, so it can do some in- independent uh, take, stuff. Take Two has private division. No, oh, sorry, Take Two has yeah. private division. Um, but like a lot of the major publishers have retreated back to you know this is the stuff that we do. Whereas mm-hmm. Square, 
Enix is like probably buoyed by the fact that Final Fantasy fourteen just prints money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can be mm-hmm. like, does anyone have anything they want to do? Uh, and someone's like, uh, Joe, I, you I don't want to try that thing. I want to make like, the uh, Dio I, I wanna... Field Chronicle. <laughs> right. Or Valkyrie. Valkyrie, Valkyrie Elysium. Yeah. Oh, boy. And and they're not all good. But again, that's the kind of, like, to go back what I was saying about Stranger of Paradise. Like, these are a style of game. Like, we used to get a lot of terrible games. And, like, everyone's uh-huh. like, oh, games are more 7 out of 10, like, in the review scale. Part of that is because tended to lose most of the really bad, really weird games mm-hmm. as games got more expensive to make. Exactly. So like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. AAA will generally aim to release games that will hit that 7 out of 10 or above just on a quality level. Mm-hmm. And Square is like, what if we still lived like it was PS2, PS3? It's 2003 forever. It's- it's something blessed about that, though. And if Square really does start to just embrace the $30 price point and like the games that are I I love them because I've heard that uh, Stranger Paradise is roughly about like 20, 30 hours to beat. And I'm like, that sounds great because you know how many RPGs I've already played in the last year that were like 60 to 80 hours or like Horizon Forbidden West and seeing people talk about how many hours Elden Ring look do I want to spend 80 hours in Elden Ring yes I do do I also want you know more hours of my life yes I want <laughs> so like the embracing of that square just throw it at the wall and see who likes what and then just keep making more stuff sure you know, if if it works, it works. If not, and, and whatever. We're almost about time. I missed all this nonsense for another Tokyo RPG factory. They oh, never no. got shut down. Yeah, what are still they doing? Theoretically, still should be making games. <laughs> <laughs> Something Here's very neutral. So, the funny thing is, we talk about like Square being trapped in the PS2 era. The PS2 era is when they were much more prestige. The games that they were putting out, like Final Fantasy twelve and Dragon Quest eight and that kind of thing, were more in that prestige level of what you would expect to see now. They weren't taking as many risks in their early two thousands, like Final Fantasy eleven, I guess you could say. They've almost been like Benjamin buttoning their way back to the the PS two era, the PS three. They're aging in reverse. It's very strange. Very strange company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're let's let's do some nostalgic. weird stuff like uh, Brave Fencer and you know stuff like that. Yeah. Toe ball yeah. number one. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Toe ball number one. <laughs> let's just give Front Mission to some random studio and let them remake it because we're not going to oh, no. remake it. Yeah, which I am yeah, so excited they, for. There's, it's so funny. I'm like so torn because there are the companies that take these these properties and really exploit them and just go for the most crowd friendly, safest possible um interpretation that they possibly mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. but then square is just like actively disrespectful to these licenses <laughs> they take these ips that are like treasured outside of dragon quest they do a great job with dragon quest and they just crap all over them all the time and it's so counterintuitive it's freaking wild how how little care they take of their ips like even on the the triple a level uh and I don't know if your your feelings have changed, Cat, on the end of FF7 remake. But like, <laughs> I don't think any other publisher would let you would would let someone go back to one of their most historic and biggest games and just say, "Yeah, man, just do whatever, just do whatever you want." 
this this one's gonna have story ghosts all right story ghosts <laughs> and cloud needs to stab the story ghosts to change the story <laughs> i I'm going to nominate this game for the top 25, and I cannot wait to argue for it. No, I've turned uh, around on Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's good now, but not the ending. I don't art. like the ending. <laughs> no, yeah. the ending's the best part. No. <laughs> they stabbed the story ghosts. <laughs> Final Fantasy Origins Stranger Paradise is out right now. Go and read all of the reviews. Moving on, we had a couple of big info dumps on RPGs. First of all, we have Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, which we have talked about a time or two right here. This is a big expansion that is coming out on June 30th on the PC and Nintendo Switch. It'll be $39.99. They're introducing the Master Rank to this one. If you're not familiar with Monster Hunter, Master Rank is when the game gets serious. There's a new region. There's a new hub area. Tons of monsters. There's a big old armored monkey called the Grand Hall. There's a Lunagarin, which is kind of a big monster, covers its ice as armor as ice. And we have new variants like the Blood Orange Bishiten and Astalos, and new Silkbind attacks. If you played Iceborne, think of it kind of like that. You're going to get just an outrageous amount of content to the point where it's practically a new game. And what I'm curious, all your thoughts is, are you going to pick up this expansion? Or are you pretty much done with Monster Hunter Rise? Mike, that's a yes from you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say yes. And also, uh, PC players, you had to wait a year before for Rise to come from Switch to PC. You do not have to wait for the DLC. It is coming out on both platforms at the Rise same time. players on PC mm-hmm. are like, my time has come. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm so jealous of them. Because on the one hand, I got to play Rise early. And it was a very good experience overall on the switch but i've been playing iceborne and 60 fps is just the way to go with that series mm-hmm. it is really tough to go back to 30 fps on switch sorry nintendo switch i will say for some reason and i think it's probably the play of it i like rise more than i like world um because world i guess leans a little bit more realistic uh in and that feeds into how like weapons are used and play and stuff. And I like rise. It's a little bit more. I, it's like the difference almost between a sim and an arcade game. Uh, mm-hmm. like, or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of mm-hmm. like rise a little bit more and playing rise on PC is just, I, I liked rise when I was playing it better. Cause I like the, the pally mutes. I like the silk bind. Oh, Pallies are great. Mm-hmm. But there are things about Iceborne that I like better. For example, I like that there are more turf wars happening in Iceborne. I love the I like the levels, like yeah, the environments I, in world Iceborne. Feels more way like an better. actual world, yeah. whereas yeah. in Rise they are levels. They are just mm-hmm. flat levels. Yeah. And I don't like having to go through the cutscenes in order to get my my friends on so that I can keep going. But I also miss the handler. She was great. The handler was mm-hmm. wonderful. So. But I, I I will definitely be playing Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak because I put a lot of hours. I got to uh, Hunter Rank or High Rank 100, beat the, the boss that was right there. So I am ready to go. I'm ready for all of my materials to become useless for Monster <laughs> Hunter Rise Sunbreak. <laughs> Nadia, are you going to be picking it up? You know what? I was kind of on the fence, but then I saw they have the uh, the bonus. I don't know if it's a pre-order or whatever, but it's a really stylish sort of Western uh, set of armor that I'm like, you know what? I, I think that's really cool. I think I want that. And you can mm-hmm. like turn your... First of all, you turn your uh, uh, what palico into a nun. 
and you turn your dog into looks like Interceptor from Final Fantasy VI. I don't know what's going on there. If Interceptor was a robot, but it looks really stylish and cool. Uh, I really liked Rise of the Lot. I'll probably go ahead and, and, and get that DLC, but I really want a Monster Hunter Stories 3. I just, I'm thinking of Monster Hunter in the context of that game now, because I just love that series so much. I would like Monster Hunter Stories 3, but good. That'd be nice. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. I did like 2 very I much. I love 2. There was just so something. Much. I got it. Monster Hunter Stories 2 was kind of like what. Um, yokai watch is to me like it's oh. just a hair too kitty the systems just never quite mm-hmm. resonated with me i was like mm-hmm. i don't want to go get the eggs and everything it looked good in the moment but it just didn't grab me you could tinker with their jeans that's the best part you can tinker with her jeans that is true but i, I really know people it. like yokai watch but i just cannot get into well, yokai unlike watch. uh Unlike Yokai Watch, I think Monster Hunter Stories actually sold. I heard two sold really well, so hopefully we get a three That's good. sometime That's in good. the future. I don't know. I would like them to age it up ten percent. Yeah, maybe to touch. I think I see where you're coming from with the Yokai thing, which was like kind of reminded me of a. Did you if you ever had a younger sibling and your parents put a, a Fisher Price busy board in their crib? Like it was like knobs and spinny things that like you could you they could play with. Like that's exactly what the battle system in Yokai Watch reminded me of. The so cow says moo of RPG battle system. Exactly that. <laughs> the expansions are always where Monster Hunter gets really really good. So yeah yeah, uh, and I mean, and Monster uh, Hunter Rise was already great in my opinion. Exactly one of my favorite games of last year. Mm. Uh, Eric, are you making noises? Are you not a fan? I, so Rise is the most I've ever gotten into Monster Hunter, and I think I like that game a lot when I'm co-oping it. I don't think I like it very much when I'm solo playing it. Uh, I mean, it's a game designed for co-op. That's yeah, but that also means that you're now having to wrangle schedules and stuff all the time, and I don't always want to do that. So that's always been my friction point with Monster Hunter. And so that's fair. when I did get that going with Rise, also, I... I wish I had spent more time trying other weapons in previous monster hunters. Cause I bounced off mm. of four. I bounced off of world and I was always trying to use the weapons that other people kind of told you to use there, you know, yeah. use the insect glaive and the insect glaive is cool, but it's not me. And like use the, the, the twin blades or the great sword or the switch ax. It's like the best beginner weapon. And I should have just not listened to any of them and used the giant machine gun, which <laughs> is so much fun. It's ridiculously fun. You can shoot mortars out of it. Why are people hunting monsters with knives when they could bring a big gun to the front? <laughs> well, it's not very sporting. <laughs> yeah. I so once I started using that, like there there was an actual night where I was co-oping this with three other friends and I had been very cold on it. And then I started using that and they just heard like a giggle on the in the voice <laughs> chat. And they were like, "Oh, Eric found his fun in this game because he's just sitting back there like giggling and shooting rockets and stuff at monsters." Uh, so I, that that's me saying that I might I might try this, but I'd still have to like get up to the level. So I'm glad they have that catch up gear that they're doing, uh, so I can hopefully get to that point because I do think it looks cool. But and, uh, and Monster Hunter is one of my favorite. Uh, like this will happen in other multiplayer games, but in Monster Hunter specifically, if you've random multiplayer and you see a Japanese name pop up, you're like, Oh, this is going to be good because Mm -hmm. every Mm -hmm. Japanese player I, I have ever ended up with in Monster Hunter world and rise 
has just been an absolute banger of a player just doing <laughs> just like every everyone's son he legend or something like it's not true <laughs> but the ones that end up apparently playing with the western players I, I i i don't know what it is it's just amazing in the meantime we also got a big info dump for starfield a big video and it's interesting the way that they've been approaching their starfield promotion because it's very different from say fallout 4 or fallout 76 where they just said here it is. Uh, they just said they would just show it at E3. Instead, they're kind of releasing information in dribs and drabs. But what they've been showing has been pretty positive, in my opinion. Uh, and that's not just because Starfield is my most anticipated game of 2022 or anything. But yeah, of course not. we saw our first companion. It's a robot named Vasco, who looks like he would be at home, he or she. I'm not going to gender this robot. Um, lives in the front mission universe uh we learned a bit about the character creation apparently it that's going to be allowing us to define our stats and background in a new way um it's built around immersive gaming of course but maybe the my main takeaway is one you're kind of more intended to live in this universe and they're going deeper than skyrim and two you mm -hmm. can be a space cop narc so <laughs> I'm sorry, um, you, a space cop narc? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah, you can join the space pirates, Yarr. but undermine them from within as a cop. I'm good. Thanks. It, it was that <laughs> moment. Nah. That moment of the video was like Todd Howard looking at the camera and saying, hey, Eric, this is a Bethesda <laughs> RPG with everything that entails because they the line was like, they were talking about good guys and bad guys in terms of space cops and pirates. And the second I heard that I was like, okay, so this is not going to be like, you know, the expanse where you've got the belters and the inners and the dusters who all kind of have their own motivations and want to fight for things. And, you know, maybe Marco Inaros has some like bad ideas, but he's got a reason for why he's like that. And he wants to fight for things. No, they're going to be like, here's, here's bad bad side good side do you want to be evil or you want to be good and i was like uh, that's not necessarily true there were shades of gray i saw todd example, howard Skyrim. looking at me <laughs> I, I, I will say you play you. you play bethesda games more for the mechanical complexity yes, yes. um which, some which is funny because skyrim was like. way simpler than a lot of, like what obsidian did yes yeah. Yeah, uh, I, like I feel like Obsidian tends to have a little bit more narrative nuance, complexity than Bethesda, um, which is, again, part of why I don't like I get why people enjoy uh, like Fallout 4. It is not my thing, but I, I understand it. Um, and I feel like Starfield will lean further into that, which is what you want to do. Like, look at Elden Ring, like just do what you're doing. Yeah, it made you your fans. Just stick to that. Like I don't, yeah. I don't need Bethesda or Todd Howard or them to like necessarily dive deep into some nuance like Disco Elysium or some of the Obsidian. But he's going to be disaster. Yeah, I don't, he's I don't know to. if they're going to do that super well. Is the problem? <laughs> so maybe it's best that they don't try. But I mean, that's me assuming a lot from a five minute video, and I am also in in the like crowd that is saying just show us the game already because yeah. i feel like i don't have 
a conceptual idea of what they're doing yet. Like, you've is seen this it. Going you've seen be... the concept art. <sighs> Cat. So much concept <laughs> art. Cat. Um, I, I do feel like the fact that we're getting anything feels like to me Microsoft saying, like, just talk about it. Just like just a Please little. remind them that exists. But I think that's a bad idea because, like <laughs> you were saying, Bethesda games are about playing in the moment. Because I I don't necessarily know that Skyrim pops in a trailer for me, but playing Skyrim, I'm like, oh, I can do a bunch of really dumb shit right now, and that's what I want to do in this game. And if Starfield has the capacity for that, that's what I want to know because a lot of this presentation was them kind of floating a lot of really you know high-minded ideas that you do when you're first kind of talking about a game and i'm just like am i going to be able to do the no man's sky into space from the planet or not or is this like outer worlds where you're kind of jutting between worlds that are kind of just different hubs or you know i i want to know the nitty-gritty and I, I don't necessarily care about what story they're going to tell because they've kind of told me up front a general idea of what kind of story this is going to be. <laughs> NASA punk. That's what they're calling it. One thing that I think was worth highlighting is that they talked a bit about the conversation system and mm-hmm. saying that it's designed around the idea that there isn't going to be a right thing to say. And the reason that I highlight that is that the conversation system in Fallout 4 was fairly controversial because a lot of people saw it as being too simplified. So I think the hope is that Starfield took lessons from how that was, uh, they approached that and managed to deepen it in a way that feels satisfying. Yeah. And it looks like they're bringing back oblivion's persuasion system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. The persuasion mini game is coming back, but uh, why am I the only one here who seems that excited about Starfield? Oh, I'm really excited. It's just I, mm, I do agree. I, I agree with Eric that like Skyrim is not the type of game that like, and I, I've purchased Skyrim entirely too many times. Yes, you have. It's it's, it's not not <laughs> the kind of game that I look at a trail and I'm like, yeah. It's the kind of <laughs> game where I'm just like, all right, let's go in and like even the last couple of times I've played Skyrim, like every time they re-release it, I don't actually care about the main quest at all. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just a yeah, matter same. of just, it's like, let's get in here and just fuck around a bit. Let like I'm going to be a mage and I'm only going to use two spells yep. and let's see how far I can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Although, uh, did you guys not get like hyped up when that last, one of the last Skyrim trailers came out? It was a whole like, you know, had like you know it'll end in fire and i was like da 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 oh like, the that music's really cool. great oh. that was really cool but <laughs> yeah. yeah i see where y'all coming from i'm i'm very kind of eh on outer space i like i adore cowboy bebop but that's really space. that space being full of junk and being kind of like just realistically horrible in a human way that kind of thing i love I'm very space, anime very anime but space is full of death I do mm-hmm. not like the void. I am very like the ocean. ocean. Yeah, it's the ocean. Okay, I understand. <laughs> but the ocean has life. The void has nothing. No, the ocean has life, just not your life. That's that's the important <laughs> distinction. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I and I'll actually probably, you know, get to play it maybe out of time. I think I'll have to fight off Kenneth. Uh, no, you won't. You won't. I'm oh, just telling you right. Ken hates open world games with like a passion. He oh does not God. like open world games. So you're, Ken's you're golden. Funny. I have been, opinions. 
I have been fighting with him. This is some Normandy FM lore for y'all on Axe of the Blood God. I wanted us to do a Fallout New Vegas season, and he was adamantly against it. Like he does not like Bethesda, okay, Fallout, Elder Scrolls. It's hey, yeah. Uh, we all have our weird quirks. I no I judgment. Badly. He's he's getting his literal jaw wired shut at some point soon because of a surgery. Oh my god! And oh, I, I was. That. And I was joking with him that I was going to use that opportunity in his absence to uh, record a Fallout New Vegas season and publish it on Normandy. You can still talk with your jaw wired shut. I know this. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Ken has sound to sit there and listen to it. Time. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that perhaps can make Eric feel a little more cheerful than Starfield. Eric, what is that? So my untitled Eric segment this week is uh, it's Toonami's 25th anniversary. Did y'all did y'all know this? Were y'all aware of this? Um, uh, yes, I was because we were talking about content. My husband's been downloading the, 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 the bumpers and stuff that they've been putting up. Yeah, they put up a, a remastered Gundam Wing uh-huh. um, yeah, trailer. So that's why I was like, oh, it's it's time for a new Toonami. So. They they've been re-releasing a bunch of the old bumpers. They announced that there are like two new fully coolie things that are coming out because for some reason the tsunami thing is for them to just drag fully coolie out and continue hitting it with sticks and then shoving it back <laughs> under the bed. Like the ultimate show that only needed one season and instead they gave it like twelve. Uh, I, I have thoughts on fully coolie, but uh, the thing I wanted to point out and I wrote a blog about this the other day is that Toonami's game reviews owned. Toonami's game reviews were very formative for me at a young age, and I highly recommend everyone go watch their YouTube videos of it abounding, where uh, it's Tom and the AI lady that that joined him around the Tom 2 era uh, reviewing the Elder Scrolls Morrowind, and it is very, very good because the, the AI woman is super into it like loves marwin is going real deep and tom's like yeah but how's the battle system and it's funny hearing (laughs) steve bloom do this like (laughs) ultimate reddit commenter voice of being like uh sounds like a lot of walking (laughs) it's from an era before these bethesda rpgs this ended up working out really well in terms of the segue uh before these Bethesda RPGs were really at the tier where everybody was fawning over them is like the pre Skyrim days, the pre fallout three days. So Morrowind was a bit more of an outlier and it was an eight out of 10 review, but it's really funny to hear Tom be completely apathetic about Morrowind and just not give a shit about Morrowind. But I went back through their review scores. Their lowest they ever gave was a one out of five for blue stinger on the dreamcast, uh, which was just a bizarre pick, but they also gave a five out of five to was it beetle adventure racing or something a I racing game good. with but volkswagen beetles they gave it like a five out of five uh in the same era they gave final fantasy seven a five out of five so uh canonically now beetle volkswagen adventure racing is as good as final fantasy seven yeah okay i can accept that <laughs> uh but yeah shout outs to toonami shout outs to like that was how I learned about a lot of video games when I was younger. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the reason I'm doing game reviews now, but 
it definitely was interesting to look back on, especially in an era where video reviews were not as, you know, everywhere as they are now. And they were bite-sized reviews. Like the stuff they were doing on Toonami reminds me of what people are doing on TikTok now with video yeah. reviews. Yeah. And it's weird how like cyclical that becomes. And also Toonami introduced me to Outlaw Star, which is a really My good anime. A big I, Outlaw that Star fan. I actually did not have Toonami because I don't think we had, we had, didn't have anything like Toonami in Canada and anime was a real scattered thing here at the time. We've got very little of it. Uh, but I was married. I did get married around that time. And my husband and I spent a lot of time going back and forth from Toronto to uh, uh, North Carolina. So I have like good memories of like watching Toonami in motels and we'd get to his house and we watch it there and kind of get, he had to get caught up on Trigon because he uh, mm-hmm. missed the ending when he was Ooh, up to get married Trigon. to me. So yeah. Um, the really interesting fallout of, that happening is that Toonami had those little we, we aforementioned intros that we they they we just talked about for like Gun Wing and mm-hmm. everyone remembers I am the Prince of All Saiyans once again like that will be like mm-hmm. indelibly marked in our minds forever. But you guys didn't have that meant you guys didn't have traditional intros for your animes and that meant no. Canada got some weird shit for art when we finally <laughs> did get those anime like. We had this, you got to look some of these up, like our intro for the original Dragon Ball, not the ones that they, they kind of aired in the 90s, but when they finally brought the whole series over, uh, we got um, some really weird thing with really, like, it, it follows the Japanese song, but it has English lyrics. It's one of those things. And it's mm. Dragon Ball, the ultimate battle, the martial oh, fight no. between <laughs> evil and good. And I'm, it's a terrible song that I remember to this day. And... It got even worse with Dragon Ball GT because you guys had something take to the Grand Tour, Grand Tour, and we got the European intro, which was also we that meant we got the whole series, not just the uh, okay, um, Goku's here, let's finally do something about all this. Like we mm-hmm. we got everything from the start, but so that was just an interesting little bit of fallout. I bet you weren't aware of. So thank you for that because it's a really really blessed curse. We Dragon did at least Ball. for Gundam Wing get that classic, just the the two mix occasionally, mm-hmm. like. Just mm-hmm. every now That's and then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the running cool. theme of Eric's segment is that Nadia always ends up hijacking it. Does hijack I'm sorry. it at some point. <laughs> it's but, true. But it's Toonami. Every, everybody loves Toonami. Everybody loves I did it. not the, get Toonami when I was in high school because we did not get Cartoon Network. For, oh, I no. Was very, uh. I was a very abused child. But I went to college and we got Cartoon Network there. And that also coincided with the first season of Adult Swim and Cowboy Bebop. Mm. So, and ended up working out ultimately. Mm-hmm. That's a good but, age to get into all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, I heard about, I had heard of Toonami. A friend of mine was talking to me about Gundam Wing circa 1999 or whatever. And I was like, Gundam Wing, huh? It sounds very militaristic. And I have no idea what this thing is. And then much later, I learned that no, it's just about boys kissing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and Gundam Wing is the 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 thing that brought really brought Gundam over to the West. Like yep, that was it. Yep. Um, oh, it's the, it was the one and the only one. Robots. Honestly, <laughs> it, yeah. it's one of those interesting situations where you think about where Japan has some rando and uh, rando Sentai that comes over and they. And that becomes the one that the West latches onto. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, what is it? Zhu Ranger? I hate it so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Kyoru Sentai, Zhu Ranger. There's so many other Sentai themes. Stop going back to the dinosaurs again. It's like America. We didn't get Mazinger. We didn't get Getter Robo. No, we got Go Lion, which became Voltron. And that mm. became the canonical one. And Voltron wasn't even that good. 
It just happens to be cool. like people are like, "Oh, lions. lions are pretty cool." Yeah, that's why when I would but, turn on the TV and I'd be like, "Oh boy, Voltron's on!" I see those stupid cars, yeah. be like, "Oh," and I turn off the TV. But I do feel like Toonami, to its credit, did a good job in getting a lot of stuff over here that probably wouldn't have gotten over otherwise. Like, oh, absolutely. For for every like mainstream, you know, Dragon Ball type thing, they did bring like I don't think Roroni Kenshin would have latched on if it hadn't been on on toonami i don't think blue submarine number six which is one of the more obscure anime that i fondly remember from that age would have lashed the same way if they weren't packing it with sailor moon and things like that so kids these days don't know how hard we had it exactly <laughs> especially so liking- now you can just go on the all lines and watch whatever <laughs> show you know you find it and it's there in english or whatever language back in my day we had to hope toonami care uh-huh. Uh huh. You had to bike on down to the family-owned store that had one employee that kept getting in all the the anime imports, who got Dominion you to watch Evangelion at age twelve. <laughs> Maybe we should just do Summer of Toonami. Summer of anime. Yeah. Yeah, that might be kind of fun. Right, maybe we should just have uh, the audience vote: summer of Gundam or summer of Tsunami? Because I I've think we could end Gundam, up. So you're not you're not changing you're not changing votes on me here. I, I already started. I haven't started no. Gundam, so I'm okay. cool with the vote. Okay, <laughs> I'm into it. I even this out. <laughs> right, we can still do summer of Tsunami next year. There you go. Back to the there are many summers to year follow, three. provided won't get nuked. Yeah, I think people, as as Aruka points out in the Stars of Destiny chat, people are pretty excited for Gundam. So I think we're we're stuck on that track now. But don't worry, Summer of Outlaw Star is on its way. <laughs> That's fair. Well, another track that we're stuck on right now is the Top 25 RPG Remake 2022 Intergrade. I don't know why I kind of introduced it that way, but it seemed like a segue <laughs> that bad. was going to end up working. Thank you. Each week we nominate more rpgs to go on to be potentially going on the list of our top 25 rpg remake list we've nominated quite a few at this point we've nominated a lot of the usual suspects for starting to dig down into the dregs which is the the fun part because you never know we might find one that ends up going on the list we got some fun ones this week oh boy the community pick is a lot of fun (laughs) but we'll start with you, Eric, because you managed to steal the one that Nadia almost undoubtedly I was, nominated. This is turnabout is fair play, yeah. given what that she always steals your uh, segment. Yeah, you, you stole go. one from me recently, so I get to steal one from <laughs> you. Uh, I I've been in a bit of a vanilla warehole recently because <laughs> Thirteen Sentinels is, is <laughs> yeah yeah uh, Thirteen Sentinels is hitting Switch in April, and so. Oh, can't wait. Uh, I'm just like vibing with all vanillaware stuff right now. And I think Odin's fear needs to get talked about in this top 25 contention. Cause I think there are many vanillaware games that could merit inclusion, but not only does Odin's fear, I think fit the bill the best as far as an RPG goes, you know, dragon's crown is arguable too, but, uh, Odin Sphere is so well told. It is the the live alive vanillaware game. It's where you can see a lot of their ideas for 13 uh, Sentinels start to foment a little mm-hmm. bit and, and become ideas. And and I almost put Cornelius on the, the March Madness bracket, by the way. I was like this close because <laughs> I think the characters in Odin Sphere are so wonderful. They're all so individual they have such incredible designs and different gameplay styles and tell their own stories but then also connect together in very interesting ways and i think 
the the way that game ends and the way you kind of have to address Ragnarok. I mean, we're also playing Valkyrie Profile right now, so this is very fitting. But it's it's such a cool telling of Norse mythology, but also just beautiful visually. Some of the the animations and the character designs are just so incredible. I think the actual combat system is very in-depth and very rewarding and probably my favorite version of a combat system I've played from them. Uh, it's just altogether a wonderful fantasy story that I, I badly want to be on the Switch because... Oh, it how needs... Is, how's it not on the Switch bust. yet? I uh, actually... Um, invented the term planet anime bullshit because of that game mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was so beautifully soppy like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the romance between Gwendolyn and what's the what's the edgelord's oh, name oh, edgelord boy oh it's uh, oscar i think who, oscar oscar i think something with an it, oh that's it, all i remember yeah and, which, which is a shame because i actually love maybe. him oswald thank you yeah. I love him. I love his design. I love his try hard crap. I love and just how nice the sprite animations are between them, like the the little like gestures and stuff they share. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. it's such a as you said, uh, Eric, it's a very fairy tale kind of retelling of Norse mythology, which which is a little more usually a little more hard around the edges. But it's just uh, the colors, the, the sound, the animations, the, the branching storylines. It's one of those games where, yes, there is a lot of repetition, but it's it's fine because it all it's goes towards this, yeah. this goal. And also the food looks incredible. The food is so good. It is like a oh. high contender for most appetizing food in a game. Like Vanillaware oh, makes delicious looking video game food. Every time I ordered up a new plate, I was like, oh, oh, that looks good. Oh, Oh, that's great. And she takes a, a a table out of her apron and just kind of sets yep. it all up in one gesture. Yep. So yep. cute. So cute. All, all the characters are so imaginative and stuff. Like I love I love 13 Sentinels. Don't get me wrong. And we'll probably be talking about 13 Sentinels sometime soon. But the just fantasy world of Odin Sphere is so incredible. To, it's very to be lush. In. Yeah. Very lush. Yeah. Especially with Left Riser, uh, the remake. That's uh, really, the one I played. Really just brought it all together. As a question, uh, I'm looking at your your list. Who put Devil Survivor on here? Yo, what's up? <laughs> That's my boy. That's uh, my boy. <laughs> Devil Survivor. That, mm, that, Devil Survivor. And Devil Survivor Two. So good. How have, how do we not have those on Switch yet? That's the real crime. Mm. Everything. Put it. Just put it on Switch. We just Everything thought we wanted it all on Switch. Switch. Yeah, that's new. That's new promotion. That should be a new drop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, my pick is another classic that should be on Nintendo Switch. Honestly, that's Etrian Odyssey 5, one of the best yes. dungeon crawlers of the past 10 years. Like, I keep wanting to put wizardry on here, but honestly, come on. It's all about the Etrian Odyssey. And the reason I picked Etrian Odyssey 5 is it really brought the whole series back around to where it was kind of at the start. It ditched the the vehicle exploration, everything. It was very pure. And yet it was really refined. It was really great. The levels were excellent. Had so many wonderful classes. There's so much scope for experimentation. I don't even really like super grindy dungeon crawlers, but Etrian Odyssey is where it's at. And if there's one game I could bring on to Switch, it would probably be that one, actually. What what's what's up, Atlas? Are you ever getting it? No. Are you ever gonna I'd figure out how to, to do know. it? Because that was the one that got, that was the first time I played Etrian Odyssey was five. 
And the thing that convinced me was I downloaded the demo and I go into the town, I'm preparing stuff and I'm like, is that smooth jazz in the background? And it does have a really glorious soundtrack. And it's funny because I'm a little bit like you in that, yeah, I, I can deal with grindy. That's no problem. But like Etrian Odyssey is not a game with much of a story. It's a very, very basic, you know, hey, let's go climb this tree or whatever. Uh, and I never imagined myself in a million years finding any kind of satisfaction in drawing a map. But that's what Etrian Odyssey is all about. And something about it just feels so good. It's such a relaxing game, even when the FOEs are like biting your butt. F-O-E. F-O-E. I think Etrian Odyssey has actually been pretty important in terms of how it brought back. I think it it brought a whole new generation appreciation for mm-hmm. a kind of an older genre, I think. Um, very in-depth, very difficult, but also very approachable. And the art is just wonderful in those games. They're, they're really lovely. And they are if lovely. you haven't played them, you them. should. There you go. So that's my pick. Nadia, what's your pick? Well, we really picked some bangers today. You know, I'm thinking, oh, yeah. we've got to be scraping the bottom, bottom of the barrel. But uh, apparently we're not because I went ahead and I just hit the nuke button. I picked Mother 3. Uh, this, of course, is a controversial game in many, many respects. Uh, we've been waiting forever for a official release that, let's face it, is never coming out. But we have an excellent, excellent fan translation by Clyde uh, Mandolin that is uh, I cannot recommend enough. And that is how I experienced the game, which uh, here's what I think about Mother 3 in that the story can be a little bit too on the nose at times, but at other times it's so brilliantly done to this day. And this is something I wrote about in US Gamer back in the day, I think. It is probably the only RPG I've ever played where adults were allowed to express their grief. Like when a major spoiler that comes at the very front of the game anyway, when Hanawa dies, like Flint's rampage is just like he... People are like, your kids are watching. Don't you care? He doesn't care. He's so angry about all this. Like, it breaks him. He's never the same. That's another really, really sad thing about the game is the story is just, wow, uh, in so many respects. But yes, not only does does he express his rage, but he does it in one of the most beautifully choreographed sprite uh, sequences ever. And this is a game that just has uh, incredible sprite work. It's really up with the greats like Suikoden 2. It's, um, I can't really lodge any sort of complaints against the sprites. And... Even like in terms of you look at it as a mother game, I think it improves a great deal on Earthbound's battle system. For one thing, it introduced it really brings the uh, rolling HP count into its own. You could technically save yourself in Earthbound if you uh, healed yourself before your hit points ticked right down to zero. Mm-hmm. But that only really came into play with one one-on-one battle late in the game. Whereas in Mother 3, it is your whole thing. That is how you survive. You heal your... Someone gets a fatal hit, you heal them before their, their thing comes down to zero. So they really brought they brought that into balance and made it a major mm-hmm. part of the gameplay, which is really good. Uh, but the musical... Maybe not everyone loved this, but I adore the musical... Uh, time, the musically timed uh, battle system. Like, I can still hear fate in my head and know how I'm supposed to press those buttons. That's how ingrained it is. And this is actually a genius use of the Game Boy Advance's really crummy sound chip because despite it being a Game Boy Advance game, it has some of the most bombastic uh, sound uh, soundtracks you'll hear ever. Like, even in Smash, they redid uh, what was like Smashing praise, uh, smashing Song of Praise. And that's mm-hmm. just such a, a energetic, oh, I'm going to fight you song. And the story is... The ending is, I, I have feelings about the ending, but uh, 
the point is, it's just a great game, great story, just legendarily good RPG that despite being quite accessible thanks to the translation, I don't think enough people have played. Jeez, Reggie, what you doing? What you Why doing? haven't yeah. you brought us Mother 3 yet? Mm-hmm. As you, Terry Crews once said, localize it. Localize here's Mother 3, all in caps. Here's my question. Would it replace Earthbound on the list for you, Nadia? Uh, that's hard to say. Earthbound, I have a very, I'm very biased towards because I played it in a year when, frankly, a lot of people died, including my dog. And so I felt oh, uh, wow. a certain kind of comfort in playing that. Although I think that Mother 3 is much more accessible in terms of gameplay. It's a, a little more balanced, and I don't think you ever have a sequence that's quite like fighting by, by yourself for as long as you do in the original Earthbound. And our community pick is Legend of Grimrock 2. Yes, the another dungeon crawler for you. This one is from Satellite of Love. The real-time dungeon crawler is a rare sub-sub genre that had been on hiatus for over a decade when some Finns got together and did what they wanted. Legend of Grimrock 1. It was great. It sold boatloads. Legend of Grimrock 2 took that and ran with it. More puzzles, more secrets, more variety, more ambiance, more choice, more monsters, more loot, more boss fights, more, more. I, I, I think the more and more is supposed to be read like the ha 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 ha. Yes. Uh, kind of sicko. More, thing. more, yes. <laughs> more, more. So Legend of Grimrock 2 is one of those games that we haven't talked about very much on Axe of the Blood God. I, I think I've nominated it like twice now for a Pantheon episode. And both times it's been just roundly like people have been like, absolutely not. You are not talking about this game on this show. But I bless you, Satellite of Love for putting this on the list and making this an option so that we can have the conversation that we need to be having. Okay. So two dungeon crawlers on this week, plus mother three and Odin sphere left the zir. Thanks so much. We got, we're, we're just continuing to fill out that list as we barrel on toward the big showdown, in which we remake the top 25 RPGs of all time list. And now, Nadia, take us home. Okay, so this does not involve me directly, but it is a story that came back to my mind quite recently for reasons, and it's... One of my favorite things to envision, you know how to get a good story in your head and you just kind of play it out in your head and you see it every detail and you just laugh your ass off. That's what the story is to me. Okay, so the original question was, the original thing that happened was uh, there was a tweet some years ago where someone who since, has since deleted their tweet asked, hey, uh, old journos, uh, old you know industry people, what was your favorite E3? What was your favorite E3 moment that happened? And... Andy Robinson of Platonic says one year, he believes it was 2004, Nintendo had a VIP section hooked up with the DS consoles running PictoChat. Print journalist draws a massive dick, accidentally sends it, filling every screen in the room. Then notices Miyamoto shaking his head in the corner. Said journalist was then kicked out. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, um, if, that sound, if that's a little disjointed because it is a tweet. <laughs> There was a, I suppose it was a gathering, a, a VIP room to show people how the DS worked. And of course, the DS had PictoChat, which is a free chat program you could use to send to a nearby DS 
um, owners. And so I guess they were showing this off. And this was in a room with uh, Reggie and, and Miyamoto. And uh, a, to, to hear the details, yes, this person drew a massive donger on the Picto chat, but they weren't going to send it. But apparently, supposedly, someone behind him pressed the send uh-huh, button. Sure. And that sure. sent the massive donger across every screen in existence, I suppose. But the thing that gets me about this story is the image of Miyamoto in a corner shaking his head sadly. Like, God, looking down on his creation, watching them eat the apple and being like, oh, oh I'm so disappointed in all of you. Like, I can't believe you they've get- done this. How dare you defile my creation like that? Now I just have to get rid of it forever. This is dicto chat. I mean, picto chat. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine Miyamoto shaking his head in disappointment at you? You must be cursed. You'll never have children. You are now infertile. (laughs) Your crops will never flourish because Miyamoto is is disappointed in you. And apparently, according to more uh, follow-ups, because people are saying, oh, yeah, I was there when that happened. uh, Apparently, Reggie was really pissed. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I can imagine. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) What were you expecting, Nintendo? (laughs) Shigeru Miyamoto turns to Reggie and says, video games were a mistake. Video games were a trash. I will make Mario Maker and surely no one can create a penis in this. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I can say, uh, just I'll say from the start, it's a pit. Today was not a nook. Today. I mean, we, we ventured into one pit and one nook because I would say your earlier Toonami yeah, recollections. Okay, that that's was very fair. wholesome. That was very awesome. I like that. Yeah. Balanced it out. (laughs) But uh, the the rest of it was a pit of dicks. Do do you always play that song when Nadia is telling her story? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because that... Perfect. Thank you. It's perfect because it it makes it feel homey and wonderful. But then Nadia is telling a Nadia story, which is anything but. You hear like the latch close on the door. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listen up, everyone. And that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on all of the social medias. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at C-M-O-O-S-I. And Mike, you're a special guest. Please go ahead and promote some things. Uh, you can find me uh, every day on the free website Twitter at Automatic Zen Z. And you can find me also at fanbyte.com. Uh, in the link shell vertical where I talk all about FF14 and uh, also on Charlie and Dropouts when we record that where I also talk about FF14. Uh, Word up. So that's everything I do. Axe of the Blood God is recorded in front of a live Discord audience. Thank you so much to Teeps, Abby of the Moon, Amy, Automatic Zen. Oh, wait, you're Automatic Zen. Ha ha ha. so beware the slimes, Drew RWX, Ruka, Sardin, Spirus, and Victor Hunter, our old pal, for joining in this week. We're heading on to the post-show to hang out and gab. If you want to join in on the fun, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. We'll be back next week for more RPG chatter. But until then, for Mike, Nadia, Eric, and myself, thanks for listening, and happy adventure.